First part, amen, I'm going to be talking about, amen, is how some take comfort in eternal security. Now, there is another term for this called, amen, it's called uh, once saved, always saved. Praise God. It's when a person, when, a per, when, a, when, a, when someone believes that when somebody comes to the Lord that they're saved and it doesn't matter what they do, what they say, or where they go, or what they, what they are, they're, they're saved. They're locked into that. Praise God. They're bound to that. Amen. And, and it's a doctrine that's really, really popular. And uh, I'm going to touch base with it. I've taught on it before. But I'm going to, I'd like to teach on it again tonight. Praise God. And it's a doctrine that is extremely popular. Amen. And, but it is uh, very deceiving. Amen. Because believing that when one comes to the Lord, that they are forever saved. Amen. And there's no way that they could ever uh, um, uh, be lost. That's very appealing. Because I don't know about you, but if I don't have to work out my soul's salvation with fear and trembling, then uh, that sounds like it's pretty nice, doesn't it? Um, that I, I don't ever have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about my sins. I don't have to worry about my relationship with the Lord. I don't have to worry about, you know, my prayer life, my fasting life. Because all that really doesn't matter because I am totally saved. And there's no way that I can go to hell I can kick, I can scream, I can holler, I don't want to go there, praise God. But since I made the, uh, the, the relationship with the Lord to begin with, amen, then I am going to go to heaven. I can scream all the way, I don't want to go, but I'm going to go, praise God. So, but that's, I'm kind of making a little bit of fun of it, but that is what some people believe. And it is very, uh, it is a very popular belief. Praise God. And, and logically, I struggle with it in my mind because when we come to Christ and we are saved, praise God, uh, then there is no way that we're going to be lost. What would be the need for Christianity from that point on? Why would I need to go to church? Why would I need to pray? Why would I need to talk to God? I got what I wanted. I'm saved. If the trumpet blows or if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't need to do any of that, praise God, because I am saved. I am saved. There's nothing to work on, nothing to do, praise God. And another concept that really just really um, intrigues me for the word or confuses me is the fact that the sin that I did before I came to the Lord, amen, is uh, not, uh, not sin after I've come to God. I Whatever sins I've done, I've come to the Lord. I've asked God to forgive me. Uh, he's given me a slip, and that slip says that I am no longer accountable for whatever I do, so I don't have to worry about it. I can continue. And, you know, I've had people that have left the church over this doctrine. Um, I've often said one of the, it's, it's the saying that I say that I think is really good, praise the Lord, because they use the concept that uh, our works are not going to get us to heaven. And that is so true. Your works are not going to get you to heaven. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell them, I'll say, well, your works are not going to get you to heaven, but your works will keep you out. Praise God. Because, amen, Revelation says that we will be judged according to our works. 
So our works does matter. Amen. We won't be able to use our works to prove to God that we are uh, saved and Lord, this is why you need to let me in heaven because I was a good old boy. That's not going to cut it. Amen. I'm only saved by grace. I am only saved by going through Christ. And, and uh, I am only saved by dying to self and living in him. Praise God. And so I am not saved by my works, but my works do count to God. The sin that I was doing before I came to Christ is now okay after I'm saved. It doesn't matter, but it does. Praise God. Who, who, who of us in this world would just allow anybody to do whatever they want to and not make them accountable? Think about that. You would not let anybody do whatever they wanted to to you and said, praise God, well, I'm going to be like Christ. Amen. Christ makes us once saved, always saved. So, praise God, whatever you do, amen, to me. You can do whatever you want to me, and it's okay. You can do it as many times as you want, and etc. So, we can see how logically that, that, that doesn't fly. But that's just the basis of one of the things that I want to talk to you about today. Praise God. Because, amen, the reason that we really need to live for the Lord, amen, is a a proper fear of God. Amen. I'm not talking about a terror fear. I'm not talking about being extremely afraid, you know. I'm just fearful of God. Uh, I'm a fearful that God is not going to take care of me. I'm a fearful that God's not going to love me. I'm a fearful that God's not. It's not a terror fear. When God talks about the fear of the Lord, he's a fear of respect. You respect God. Amen. You respect the things of God. You respect the articles of God. Some people's got it turned around. They don't respect God, but they're scared of him. They're afraid of what he's going to do. Praise the Lord. You know, hey man, I had, a, 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 and I hope my kids had it of me, but I had a fear of respect for my parents. I'd walk up to my dad, and I could talk to him anytime I wanted to. But I knew if I got out of line, I'd get backhanded, praise God, because I had a respectful fear of God, of my dad. I didn't expect him to backhand me over nothing. But whenever I got out of line, I expected him, praise God, to do something about it. And that's the way we need to live for the Lord. Praise God. We need to live for the Lord with a fearful respect. Praise God. Respecting God out of fear. Amen. It's not terror. It's not, praise God, an unclean fear. But it is a respectful fear. fear. Amen. And as Christians, amen, We need to fear God and fear the things of God and live for the things of God. Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, Paul himself said, I die daily. It just wasn't a free ride for Paul. Paul just didn't, amen, come into the church and then say, well, I'm forever saved. It's just a free, praise God. Paul said, I die daily. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. 1 John 2 and 1 says, My children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, he has an advocate. In other words, he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so, amen, it's the act of what Jesus Christ did that allows us to work out our salvation with God. Praise God. But it's a working with God. 
Amen. It's a working with God. Amen. Because love, we have to understand that perfect love casts out fear. You know, once again, it's a respectful fear that we have for God. It's not a, uh, it's not a, when you understand true love, when you understand a true love of a parent, when you understand a true love of a church, when you understand a true love of God, then there's not fear in that love. Praise God. Because perfect love casteth out fear. You don't fear God. I have someone that said to me, praise God, which kind of stilled this lesson was the fact that, hey man, praise the Lord, that, you know, Brother White, because that person believes in once saved, always saved, they don't have to walk around with the fear of being lost. And I said to them, I said, well, that might be true. They may not have the fear of being lost, praise God, but I said, their, uh, their assurance in their salvation is unfounded according to the Word of God. Praise the Lord, you know. We have to deal with the fact, amen, that we're not once saved, always saved. You have to look at that because the scriptures do not teach that. And it's easy. You know, people, people be very easy. I was doing a work at one of my, one of my restaurants. And uh, uh, they came in, a, 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 a people come in to fix the parking lot. And uh, they did, they, they said, to fix this parking lot and to fix it right, it's going to take you $10,000. And they were like, well, what does it take for us to just get it fixed a little bit? Or just to get it fixed for, you know, just to fix it for now. And they're like, well, you could do that for about two or $3,000. They spent two or $3,000, and within a year, the parking lot was bad again. Where it would have been better for them to fix it the way it needed to be fixed for the $10,000 and be done with it. Praise God. And people like shortcuts. They like shortcuts in religion. They like shortcuts in salvation. Praise the Lord. What's the shortest that I can do and be saved? And if someone comes along and says, all you got to do is confess the Lord as your personal Savior. Don't worry about repenting. Don't worry about getting down in there. Amen. And repenting like the Acts says and being baptized like Acts says and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Just all you got to do is confess the Lord as your personal Savior. They'll say, I'll go for that. Praise God. And so it's the same thing, amen, with eternal security. People say, I like that plan. That's a pretty good plan. I don't have to worry about anything. I can do whatever I want to, say whatever I want to, go wherever I want. I'm not accountable for it. But it's not a biblical plan, praise God. But on the other hand, we shouldn't live in fear by living for the Lord. I told him, I said, you shouldn't live in fear by living for the Lord. I said, living for God is not fearful. I said, it's not a fearful thing. I don't... I don't know about you, but I don't get up every day being afraid of living for God. Praise the Lord. Because I know God loves me. And I know God is there for my best. Amen. And, be, and if I do wrong, I know He's not there to knock me down and beat me. He's there to love me and pick me up. He even said Himself. He said, if you be an evil or have the possibility of being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give 
you good gifts, you being a parent. And so, please, God, we have to understand there's no fear in that. Psalms uh, 1 and 11 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be able to live for the Lord, you have to have the fear of the Lord. You have to have a respect for Him. A good understanding. Have all they that do His commandments, His praises endureth forever. And so, praise God, there needs to be a, a respect for God. A respect for the things of God. A respect for the house of God. A respect for the people that God uses. There needs to be that respect there. Praise God. And I will say this. Amen. Not all mothers are good mothers, but there's good mothers. Not all fathers are good fathers. Not all good policemen are good policemen. Not all good whatever. And so, praise God. Just because there's bad ones does not mean there's good ones. You need to respect the good ones. Praise the Lord. And don't let the bad ones tear them down. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, there is a scripture that they use, and I'm going to show it to you. It's in John 10 and 28. Praise God. Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, first of all, amen, they use that scripture to show that God's people are eternally secure. But if you read the scripture above it, verse 27... He's talking about my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And the best way for me to put it is, if you're in the church, you're going to heaven. But when you get out of the church, or when you get out of the, uh, of the relationship with God, amen, then uh, you, you don't have eternal security. We all have to walk according to God, and we all have to live according to God. Praise God. Here's where the difference is. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully. There's a difference between somebody that's trying. Let me just give you an example. If I have a bow and an arrow, and I'm trying my best to hit that target, that's one thing. But if I just take that bow and just shoot this way and shoot that way and shoot this way, it's a totally different thing, right? Right? Are y'all out there? Praise God. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody don't understand what I'm saying? Raise your hand. All right. I'll say it again then. If you are doing your best to hit something and you're missing it, that's one thing. But if you don't care and you're not shooting to hit it at all, that's another. Do you understand that? That's the difference between the Christian that's trying to live for the Lord and the one that's not. That's where the dividing line is. What he's saying here for is, he said, for if we sin willfully. In other words, praise the Lord, if we just go out and do sins willfully and we don't feel bad about it we don't want we don't worry about it we don't try to make it right we just continue to willfully sin some people call it backsliding that's the difference but somebody that's trying to make it right 
Somebody that falls and comes back and says, God, I'm so sorry I slipped. Somebody that's driving to work and all of a sudden their temper gets them and they fly off and they say things they shouldn't say, maybe even words they shouldn't say. And they come back to God and they say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Help me get myself under control. That's one thing. But when a person just goes out there and does that and they don't even care about it, it's a will for sin. That's where we turn loose from God. That's where we don't have a relationship with God anymore. He says, if the sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, we know what's wrong. There remaineth no more sacrifices for sin. God's not forgiving that anymore. If, if I walk by and accidentally step on your foot and say, oh, I'm so sorry. But if I walk over and just start stomping on your foot, you ain't going to be too happy. And if you disagree with me, see me after church, because I'll try it out tonight. Praise God, right? And that's the difference between, hey, man, trying to live for the Lord and trying not to live for God. Praise God. Second Peter 2 and 20 says, For after that we have escaped the pollutions of this world, through the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. So in other words, we go back to them and overcome. The latter is worse from, with them than in the beginning. In other words, they're worse because they know they shouldn't be doing that. I'm telling you, I know for myself... I know too much about the Bible. I know too much about the things of God. I know too much about God's grace, God's love, God's judgment. I know too much to turn back now. Praise God. 21 says, For it had been better for them if they had not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Praise God. And so, amen. We need to walk with the Lord, talk with the Lord, and we need to understand, praise God, that we, you know, we, we, we can't get to the place to where sin doesn't bother us. Amen. Because if that's the case, there's no more forgiveness of our sins. But if as long as we're trying to hit the target, God's going to work with us. But whenever we quit working with the target and we willfully go out there and do sin, amen, and we don't care about making it right with the Lord, then all of a sudden we are separated because the Bible said sin does not enter there. You see, when I do sin and I go to God and I ask him to forgive me, he forgives me of that sin. I have no more sin. you got to get your sins cleaned up. Praise God. Ask God to forgive you. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the uh, seventh day or the Sabbath. We were talking about, praise God, the Sabbath. Everybody knows what the Sabbath is. Amen. And uh, the, the, the uh, seventh day Sabbath. Actually, the Sabbath should be on a Saturday. I don't know if you know that. Praise the Lord. Because we start out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the last day of our week is Saturday. Praise God. The seventh day of Sabbath was the rest at the end of the week for the Jews. Uh, they were to take rest on that seventh day. God used an example whenever he created the heavens and the earth. For six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And even though God did not need to rest, 
He said, for example purposes, he said, I will rest that day. He said, I will do nothing that day. Praise the Lord. A little later on in Exodus chapter 31 and 15, praise God, the Lord gave them this commandment. He said, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of the rest. Holy to the Lord. And whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Now, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Praise God. It's a pretty hard commandment. Anybody that does work on the seventh day. Uh, Moses told them, he said, look, on six days you can go out and you can pick up manna. He said, well, actually five days. He said, you go out, you pick up manna. Don't pick any more for the next day. He said, you just pick it for today. And then on the sixth day, he said, because of the seventh day, he said, I want you to get enough for two days. Don't you know some of those people said, I'll just get enough for Monday and Tuesday. And they went out and got it, and the Bible said it ranked in their tents the next day. And don't you know that on Saturday, some of them said, I'm only going to get enough because I don't want it to rank. Praise God. But Moses said, but I don't care. And so, amen, God was trying to teach them all along to just shut up, sit down, and obey him. <laughs> That's exactly what he was trying to tell them. Praise God. We laugh about that, but he's doing the same thing today. Amen. When we try to tell him, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. Just shut up, sit down, and obey me. Okay? Amen. And so, it was the day of rest. Praise God. And, he, and it was under the law. And so God told him, he said, for six days I'll have you work, and on the seventh day will be the day of rest. Praise God. Amen. Uh, and so, amen, in keeping the Sabbath, uh, in fact, they, didn't do, they were not to do any work or do anything. Praise God. It was the last day of the week. It was a Saturday. So the first of all, amen, we realized that... Um, it came Monday. The first day was Monday. The second day was Tuesday. Uh, the, th- the third day, I'm sorry. First of all, who knows? Oh, okay. First of all, who, who knows what is really Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? You know, you have these people that say, hey, man, it has to be a certain day. Okay? In, in the process of time. When you look down through time, who knows that Monday today is really Monday at the creation of the earth? Who knows that Tuesday was Tuesday? Who knows that Sunday was Sunday? God doesn't give us laws that we cannot fulfill. When God gives us a law, he gives us a law that we can fulfill. So, what you can look at and say is that for six days, hey man, we're to do what we they were the Israelites were to do what they were to do, but on the seventh day they were to rest. And so, amen, I'm sure that over a period of time, their Mondays wasn't a true Monday or a true Tuesday or a true Wednesday. But they knew it was six days. That they knew. And on the seventh day they were to rest. Praise God. And so they started out, amen, with their Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday... They uh, rested, praise God. Now, their day started with the setting of the sun and with the rising of the sun. So that's how they knew it was, praise God. And so the, the true Sabbath 
to them that they were to rest was on the last day of the week. Now, that was in the Old Testament. Okay? And in the Old Testament, hey, man, the Lord had them keep the Sabbath. But in the New Testament, the Sabbath was done away with. The day of rest was done away with. Hebrews 7 and 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. Praise God. So, amen. The Old Testament law and the Old Testament Sabbath was done away with in the New Testament. Praise God. So, amen. You know, the thing of it is, if we are to keep the Sabbath like the Bible tells us to, then, amen, in Exodus 35 and 3, it says, Ye shall not kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. Now, in Israel, that's fine because there's no cold, cold weather. But back here, you better not light up your furnace. You better not make any kind of heat or whatever. Praise God. So that scripture, that keeping the Sabbath with no work. You know, the Pharisees, Jesus really got frustrated with the Pharisees because what the Pharisees would do, there was what was called a Sabbath day's journey. And that journey was from the farthest of the Israelites' camp to the tabernacle on Sunday because that's the only amount of work they could do. They, they, they figured the mileage or figured the, the footage, and they said, that's a Sabbath day's journey, and that's what they put in law. This is a Sabbath day's journey. Well, what if I need something to go to church? Then they would say, well, hey, man, then you can go a little farther to get something for church. So what they would do is they would hire a Gentile to go before them with some clothes of theirs and drop them every little bit so that you, you understand how, this can, how the laws can get really distorted, praise God. And so, amen, we're looking at this, and in the, in the Old Testament, the Lord said that you're to work six days, and on the seventh day you are to rest, praise God. But since Calvary, amen, we don't live under the law anymore. We live under grace. Amen. Romans 7 and 6 says, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we are held, that we should serve the newness of spirit and not the oldness of the letter. But shall we say then, is the law sin? In other words, is the law wrong? God forbid or no way. Praise God. We would have not known sin, but, it was, but if it was for the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Now, under the Old Testament, the, Lord, the Bible says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But under the New Testament, Jesus said, Back then, they could lust all they wanted to. They just couldn't commit adultery. Praise God. You shall not covet or you shall... Praise God. Amen. They could do... They could lust all they wanted to. They just couldn't commit adultery. Amen. But Jesus said, now, under the New Testament, under the new law, he said, thou shalt not lust. 
not only commit adultery, but thou shalt not lust. So the new law that came in, praise God, was to uh, take away the old law. Or to, uh, to fool, and, and, and there, now, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, is no good no more. Yes, it's good. But I don't live according to the law. I live according to the Holy Ghost. I don't have to have the law. You see, law or for, the law is for lawless people. You don't have to tell me that I'm not, that I can't commit adultery. I'm not going to do it anyways. Praise God. Because the Holy Ghost tells me inside I'm not going to do it. It's not because it's written, thou shalt not. It's because I'm not going to do it. Praise God. You can, you can get my phone, go all through it, see whatever. Praise God. You ain't going to find anything wrong in it because that's not, I'm not going to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Under the law, they had to live according to the law. And part of the law was, amen, that the day of rest. But that law, amen, was not the perfect thing. And the Old Testament was a shadow or a figure. You know, my shadow is here on this carpet right now because of the light. That shadow is not really me. It's a figure of me. If you look at that, sh- if you look at that shadow, that old boy's got a full head of hair. Praise God. He sure does. Amen. In that shadow. He got a full head of hair. He's the best looking guy in town. In that shadow. But you see that shadow is really not me. The law was really not what Christ was bringing. The New Testament was what Christ was bringing. And so Christ when he brought the law. It was the shadow of the things to come. It was the salvational plan on Calvary. What the Lord did when he gave them the day of rest, he gave it to them because it was a shadow of the day of Pentecost, of the day of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Sin, God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For had I not known lust except the law that said, thou shalt not covet. You see, Jesus tells us, amen, that you realize that Jesus, his word, and the Holy Ghost are all one thing. Praise God. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, what beginning? In the beginning of man. Nothing else had a beginning other than angels. Man and humanity, in the beginning. Was the word, was God, was logos, was the thought, was the plan. You cannot see God, all of God. You can see part of God, but not all of God. But the way that you know him is through his word. You know, I used to pray, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to know you more. And he revealed things to me through his word. I'm thinking, he's, he's letting me see him. And then the Holy Ghost. So when you realize that, amen. In John 14 and 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, praise God, neither knoweth him. The world don't know him, but ye know him. How do you know him? For he dwelleth with you. See, this is Jesus talking to them there. And he shall be in you. 
So the word of the Holy Ghost is going to be in you. So he's saying unto them, he's saying, amen, when the Holy Ghost comes in, that is going to be the rest that's going to come. I'm telling you tonight, church, you ought to let the Holy Ghost be your rest. You ought to rest in the Holy Ghost and trust Him. And not be fearful of what you see on TV or what's going on around you. You ought to let the Holy Ghost bring a rest inside of you. Because that's what that Holy Ghost was, is for. In the Old Testament, God had to give them a day of rest because they could not last seven days. Amen. Because they had no way of getting rest. But in the New Testament, when he filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he gave them the power of God inside of them to be the rest. On the seventh day, they were to come to the, the tabernacle and worship unto God because God could not be inside of them. Today, we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. We are the temple of God. So we have him in us every day. Amen. Praise God. And so there's that rest. Galatians 3 and 24 says, Wherefore the law was the schoolmaster, or the law was the teacher, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. We're no longer under the law. I don't have to have the law tell me I, don't, I, shall not, I should not lie. The Holy Ghost ought to make me not lie. Praise God. Amen. You know, when you come up to an intersection, I don't know if you know this, but if a traffic light is broke and it is not working, you use it as a four-way stop. Do you understand that? It automatically becomes a four-way stop. We could say in America that every intersection is a four-way stop. But do you know why we can't do that? Because people won't obey it because they'll say, there was no sign. And you want to say to them, here's your sign. So what do we have to do? We have to put up a stop sign. Because people will not obey it unless they got a sign. The law is not for the good man. The locks on your door is not for the good man. The good man won't open your door. It's for the lawless. And the law is for the lawless. It's not for the, the one that won't do it. And, and so... Amen. It says the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. But after that faith has come, we no longer are under that schoolmaster. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So once you've come to God, you need no longer, praise God, to be reminded of the law. Amen. Because I don't want. You know, drugs and alcohol and everything don't bother me. I have no problem. I don't struggle with those. Praise God. And so, amen, you don't have to tell me not to drink. You don't have to tell me not to do that. And this is the same way. Colossians 2 and 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you. See, the, 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 the New Testament Christians were trying to put them back under the law. Praise God. The scribes and the Pharisees and the New Testament Christians were trying to put them back under the law. They, they would not, the Judaizers would not let go of the law. They would not let go, praise God, of the law. 
And Paul tells the Colossians in 2 and 16, he said, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of the holiday or in the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Praise God. We no longer have a day of rest on the seventh day. Praise God. He says that's no longer there. Amen. So don't let them judge you anymore according to that. Amen. Which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. Remember I said to you that the Old Testament was a shadow of what was to come? It was an example of what was to come. Praise God. You see, because the Holy Ghost is in our our rest. Amen. Paul tells the Hebrews in Hebrews 4 and 1, he says, Let us therefore fear lest the promise of being left of us enter into his rest. Praise God. You see, when we're living according to the law, amen, we're not living according to being at rest in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith uh, in them that heard it. The, some of those Judaizers went back to, the, uh, to believing in the seventh day rest day. They, they went back to believing in uh, all of the traditions of the Old Testament. Even though when the, the Lord was crucified on Calvary that day, praise God, the veil was rent in two. And uh, the Holy Ghost come out of there and no longer was God going to work through a tabernacle. Because once again, it was only a foreshadow of what God wanted to do in the New Testament. And so, praise the Lord, but some of those people were going back. We've got to be careful today that we don't go back, amen, and try to implement the Old Testament standards anymore. Praise God. Amen. You see, because now instead of the last day of the week being a rest day, amen, the Lord wants the first day of the week. Sunday. And it's not a rest day. It's a worship day. The Lord says, I want your first day of the week. Praise God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Do you realize that the Lord was resurrected not on the seventh day of the week. He was resurrected on the first day of the week. It was a Sunday when the Lord gave you the ability to be forgiven of your sins and to be washed away and to repent and to be filled with his spirit. It was on a Sunday. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you, you give me the first day of the week. When you come to church on Sunday, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving you the first day of the week. The other six days, I'm going to do what I need to do. But on Sunday, that's your day. Because that's the day that you resurrected on. So that I might have... You know what I was talking to the Lord today? You know what I told the Lord? I have some things I want God to do. And they're good things. But I said, Lord, I have no right to ask you nothing. You owe me nothing. You don't owe me a thing, God. But God, you know how much I need what I'm asking for. 
God, I don't, God does not owe me one thing. Calvary was more than enough to pay me. All the time I sacrifice for him, all the things I give him, praise God, would not even begin. I told God I could never begin to match what you've done for me. So God, I don't have the right to ask you for something. But Lord, you know how much I'm, I want to see this done. I want to see, see these people saved. I want to see this taken care of. I want to see this and I want to see that. Lord, you don't owe me nothing, Lord. But, praise God. Some of you know what that prayer is like. But on the first day of the week, amen, he was resurrected. And the Lord says in the New Testament, amen, I'm going to resurrect on the first day of the week. And guess what? On the first day of the week, he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. It was on the first day of the week that God came. He's, he's going, he said, you don't need to wait till the seventh day for the day of rest anymore. He said, I'm going to start you out with rest. Aren't you glad you live in the New Testament era? Praise God. I am so glad that I didn't stand on the border looking in that tabernacle built in the wilderness and thinking, there's the presence of God. I wish that I could get in there with it. No, it's with me now. So he took that day of rest. He said, you put that day of rest aside. He says, because I want you to get rest. But he said, there's going to come a day when you're going to take that one out of seven. And instead of being a day of rest, he said, it's going to be a day of worship. It's going to be a day of praise. He said, it's going to be a day of thanksgiving. He said, because the law and everything in the Old Testament was just a shadow of the real thing I want to do. Because you see, the law can't do it. I want to. I'll ask you a question. Don't raise your hands. Don't, don't embarrass yourself. Praise God. And don't lie. But which, which one of us in here could ever do everything that the Bible tells us to do? We can't. We've all failed. We probably broke all the commandments. Well, maybe not all of them. There's adultery. I've never broke. But <laughs> we probably broke a lot of the commandments. Praise the Lord. But the thing of it is... Amen. That is not what saves me. What saves me is God's grace that forgives me for what I can't do right. And so the New Testament was the perfect thing that come along. It was it, under the Old Testament, the Old Testament people would have never been saved if Calvary would have never came. But it was Calvary. Praise God. When you read Hebrews, it said Noah was saved because he obeyed and built an ark. Moses was saved because he obeyed and led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Praise God. And it goes down through there. Even some of the women. Ruth was saved. Praise God. Because she believed God. And it goes on down through there and tells them why they're saved. And George White is saved because he repented and got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost like the day of Pentecost. He did what I told him to do. And now he's under grace. And he's saved. But it all came by Calvary. Praise God. And so God took a day of rest under the Old Testament. And he made it a day of worship in the new. 
Under the Old Testament, they couldn't come and really worship him because they weren't forgiven of their sins. So all they could do was come and rest and wait. But on the day, on the, in the New Testament, we can come and we can worship and be in the presence of the Lord. How many of you know what it feels when you feel the Holy Ghost on you? I love that. Praise God. I look around and I think, does everybody else feel what I'm feeling in here? Praise God. You love that. Well, you can have that now because of the forgiveness power of the Lord. Let's all stand. In the Lord good? Aren't you glad you live for the Lord? Lord, I love you, God, and praise you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word and your spirit. Asking you, Lord, to touch God and to let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. God, bring us back at your appointed time. And God, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Let us live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?